save the king. Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the King. I am your host, Anne Gripper. We are in Coronation Countdown. T-minus, oh, it's about 10 days now, maybe less. Can't even count. Too busy. Uh, my co- co-host, partner in crime, general man about town, Daily Mirror Royal Editor, Russell Myers. <laughs> We're recording in a different way this week because I'm in the studio. Russell's at home, but magic producer dan jackson has rewired the studio a bit so i've got like giant russell on the telly in front of me which is quite terrifying and i think looking at his face just put me off introducing him which is a terrible thing to say sorry <laughs> russell <laughs> well i would we should start this again i don't know it's a what a way to start the day but hello it's so lovely to see you as ever it is lovely to see you in uh, virtual uh, across the airwaves. Lots and lots and lots to talk about this week. Some lovely pictures released by the royal family last weekend to mark Prince Louis' birthday, the late Queen's, what would have been her 97th birthday. Obviously, huge amounts to talk about um, with the coronation coming up. And also, we've got a special interview later on with the CEO of Battersea Dogs and Cats Home as we put a little bit of a spotlight on the charity work of Charles and Queen Camilla ahead of the coronation, given that they are saying that, the you know, Bank Holiday Monday is not just about picnics, it's about volunteering and the um, good works and celebrating that element of, um, of society. So... Russell, there's fair to say there's two massive events happening in May. It's not West Ham being in the semi-final of a big football competition. It's coronation and it's Eurovision. And I well, mean, well, that makes three then, doesn't it? Wait. Because West Ham United are in a semi-final, and I managed to bag a ticket yesterday, so I'm very, very excited. Although my brother is uh, his wife might not then go because they are expecting a baby around mm-hmm. then priorities so, come on to... people priorities and... exactly but yes correlation eurovision here's a good pub quiz question go on uh, to get you off what um what year or how many years what anniversary would the eurovision song contest celebrate this year oh 50 i would have been way out i would have been way out that's not bad 67 wow which is quite a lot of delight. And it's the first to be held in the UK for 25 years. I think it was the last time we won, did we? Just, we have had it more recently than... The yeah, we've had it more oh, recently than a coronation, though. And Yes, exactly, exactly. And we've only got it this time because, well, we came second last year. Ukraine were the winners. And for obvious reasons, they are not able to host this year. So it's kind of a, a nice um, working together. There's very sort of twinning things happening between Liverpool, which is hosting Eurovision and Ukraine. Uh, Charles and Camilla revealed a plaque yesterday taking off a Ukrainian flag that um, celebrated that. But the big the big reveal really yesterday was when they got to turn on the lights and sort of show us what the stage set was going to be like. And I thought it was really interesting seeing them there on the stage because for people who are very much in the public eye, being alone out on that stage in that big arena, I thought they actually looked quite uncomfortable in some weird ways. Yes, I, I thought so too. Yeah, I mean, they better get used to it because it's going to be a small matter of a few thousand people watching them and, you know, several hundred million people watching them on the television in just a few days' time. But yeah, they they looked a little bit sort of unsure about what they were doing. It's never that um, comfortable, is it? I mean, Prince Edward... God bless him. He he always puts his uh his back into it, revealing the you know when he reveals the plaques and he does it all fancy and flourish takes the uh, flourish. I mean he 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 does make a good um plaque unveiler. However, 
Uh, King having a bit of a joke, saying he was going to be egging on the Eurovision con- uh, Song Contest. Contest UK contestant Mae Muller. Egging on probably is a slight unfortunate turn of phrase, given recent events with protests and whatnot. But he, uh, Camilla did get the jokes of no nil point. Apparently it's null points. And nil point. Did you know that? The grammatical... Yeah, it's, a, it's the classic thing. to say it. When back in the day, the first country, I think it was Norway, they didn't get any points at all during the whole competition. I mean, it's something that we're now quite accustomed to, I think. <laughs> yeah. And we've not had... To, didn't know you were such an aficionado. Well, I think I was doing Eurovision for the website before I was even doing royal things. Like, so, you know, Eurovision goes a long like way. Like 18, 1872 <laughs> or something when uh, we started around the this. The dawn job. of time. So, yeah, I mean, lots of... Lots to look forward to. The Scousers, uh, my second home, obviously. Well, not obviously, obviously but uh, they put on a good show yesterday. Unveiling stage at the MS, M&S Bank Arena. It used to be called the Echo Arena, didn't it? But it's changed hands now. Um, and as you say, we are sort of hosting it as a result of the war in Ukraine. So lots of um, things to look forward to. Lots of collaboration uh, with us and the Ukrainians for it. And I think... It, we're getting to the business end, aren't we now, of the coronation planning because there are sort of drip feeding us information. No doubt the palace aren't too happy that we've been doing our own scoops over the last few days and wow. revealing uh, whatnot. But one of the big revelations was Princess Anne's starring role. I know you'd be very pleased about this. I, well, I to be honest, I would love to be known as the gold stick in waiting. I think that is a tremendous name. And I think she's forever now, you know, coming up, going to be called like old stick or, you know, there's a nickname there that I think she will have in the family forever. Well, it's a it's a pretty big deal. And this goes back to Tudor times, um, which is about 16th century. And the gold stick in waiting and has performed this, you know, the, uh, the royal historians among us will know that Anne has performed her ceremonial duties, the trooping of the colour, she was a personal aide-de-camp for the late queen but this role still given to hand it to her, I think for one of a better expression, the king definitely expressed that he would want her to be taking on the role, is is a really um, enchanting glimpse of their relationship I think because as they will be processioning through the streets of London on the way to the palace and we have that big balcony moment thanking the nation. It is sort of a, a, a real indication of his trust uh, in Anne. You know, I've seen this language about trusted lieutenant during the during the Queen's um, funeral or what have you and the fact that she was there for Charles and has been throughout his life. Um, but it, it, it does give us a, another sense of the fact that she's very much trusted Andrew isn't. He is definitely out in the cold, hasn't got a role within the coronation or the procession, and, and to be on horseback as well, gives the the right message that this is a, a family united and, um, and you know, and, and the top person to be trusted, I suppose, in his inner circle, if you, uh, if you take out William. And I think it's really fitting as well that she accompanied the Queen on her final journey. She was the one that travelled with the coffin from Balmoral and was sort of very much, you know, together with her mother through that process in both I guess a family role and an official role really and she's sort of carrying on that same hat as Charles officially goes through his uh, through the coronation ceremony and all the the celebrations of of the start of the new era 
Mm. Well, again, and I think that's important to show that we discussed a couple of weeks ago about this balcony moment, but who are we going to see? Definitely going to see the working royals, also the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester, the Duke of Kent, Princess Alexandra. But it won't be long before they, you know, the, those, um, the, the four of them, step back from royal life. And then you will really see a much more slimmed down monarchy, won't you? So the fact that Anne is still there, still working hard, we've seen her out about a lot over the last couple of weeks, although as we are drowning in the detail of the coronation, it's uh, it's hard to, to keep covering everything. But it goes without saying, Anne is often labelled the hardest working member of the family. She's definitely, again, that trusted voice, the sounding board for Charles. And I think we will see uh, a lot more um, of her maybe working in the background. I mean, Charles is still kind of, I still think, finding their feet, really. We haven't seen anything out of the ordinary over the last eight months or so, have we? So... Where will the big tours be? Anne will no doubt be dispatched. She's been the first to go over to Australia since the Queen's um, passing. So uh, I think she'll be she'll be handed those more important roles, shall we say, because not only are there less of them, but I think there is a new appreciation for Anne, given this slimmed-down model, uh, for the actual fact that she just rolls her sleeve and gets on with the job, pretty much. Uncomplicated. Let's... Um, run quickly through the coronation timings because in the same way we're on the countdown to coronation I expect a lot of people will be planning their weekends I mean they may already have those plans in but what should people be looking out for timings wise on that Saturday well I'm gonna let me give you a rundown so the the top 40 charts like (laughs) top 10 but I'm gonna give you a rundown of all the timings now these are British summertime times so you better set your alarms whether you're in a the Commonwealth countries all the way over in Australia, maybe in the US, there's going to be an awful lot of people tuning in for it. But from 6am on the Friday, we are going to see people flooding into the, um, the streets of London all across the procession routes. There's a very, very good interactive map on my Twitter or on our website that you can uh, have a look at. And I think it'll be quite busy because... It's been reduced from five miles to 1.3. There will be an awful lot of people, fingers crossed for the good weather, because if it's a stinker to do with the weather, then that might not be too great for those, you know, those big shots down the mall or what have you. But from 7.15 to 8.30, the guests will be arriving at Westminster Abbey. No doubt they're going to be flooding in 2,000 rather than the 8,000 this time. But they need to be seated by 9 o'clock. And of course, the... The ceremony doesn't happen to 11, but there's still the business of getting all the VVIPs, all the heads of state, the overseas government reps, the government ministers, former MPs, foreign royals, you name it. All the other members of the family will be arriving, obviously, before the king and queen consort set off from Westminster Abbey. So that will be happening from about 9 till about 10.30, I reckon, but... Flicking back a little bit, from 9.45, the Sovereign's escort will be leaving uh, Bucking Palace, or preparing to leave Bucking Palace, actually leaving at 10.20 with the King and Queen Consort. That big procession starts uh, off from the palace to the Abbey, arriving, very specific time, arriving at 10.53. Now you get a real indication of how these things are really planned to the minute. And then at 11 o'clock, Charles and Camilla enter the Abbey through the Great West Door and the service will begin now the service is going to last about two hours an hour in we'll probably see the king being crowned for that we won't see the anointing did we discuss this last week we did. I had a, a, 
decent exclusive. I've lost track of the days, but about this, all the anointing screens that are going to be raised. So this would be completely in private. The names of the 56 Commonwealth countries have been carefully woven into um, into leaves embroidered on these screens. And of course, that is a very, very sacred moment of coronation. So as others have done before him, Charles will be um, hidden from public view. So when he's crowned, Archbishop of Canterbury places the St. Edward's crown on his head. We're going to get trumpets, gun salutes across the UK. And then another hour on at 1 p.m. the service will end. They will begin their coronation procession back to Buckingham Palace in the very uncomfortable Gold State coach. That's when we're going to see Anne leading the procession uh, on horseback as part of her role as the Colonel of the Blues and Royals Regiment. And then about 1.33, we'll see how about close we are to these timings, won't we? I know, it's getting a bit ludicrous. But Charles and Miller are expected to enter Buckingham Palace through the centre arch and then around about 15 minutes later, they will receive a royal salute at the back of Buckingham Palace uh, from the military in the Palace Gardens. Then we will see about another half an hour. So we're knocking around about 2.15. Queen, Queen Consul, members of the royal family appear on the balcony and watch the fly past. Now, what time's the fly past then? Question. So what time, what time are the aeroplanes? 2.15 for the aeroplanes. Well, 2.15 2 the, the, is the approximate time for the balcony moment. Okay. And it's a, it's a, it's a smaller RAF fly pass. I think there's 63. Don't hold me to that. But I think there's around 60, 63 um, of the air, aircraft in the airs, uh, in the airs, in the air for the fly pass. Now, here's a pub quiz question. How many times did the Queen appear on the balcony for her coronation or after she was crowned like just on the day or since forever on the day in that moment in that moment how many times three well done oh that's a good guess Gosh. wasn't it why did she come yeah, out three that times a very good guess so there was, well because the, the people were demanding it they were saying we want more we want to see our queen you know i'm not too sure whether charles will get that sort of reception but you never know and maybe he'll do keep it keep it real. Well, just I was going to I was going to ask you about the procession route and the fact that they've shortened it. Do you think this is part of the um, you know cost of living crisis coronation, or do you think it's we're not sure that the streets will be entirely packed as we would like them to be if it's strung out over lots of miles? So let's make it shorter and make sure it looks really busy and have a good atmosphere, a smaller party with lots of atmosphere rather than a big party in an empty hangar where you wish a few more people had turned up and well i think it's three strong so i think it's cost of living um which then sort of ties into um the security aspect because obviously the budgets are all being super constrained and the conversations i've had with um sort of those officers responsible for the planning i mean they are saying that it's a huge huge undertaking and what have we had recently within the year the platinum jubilee celebration the queen's funeral all the days leading up to the queen's funeral huge huge operations and they cost an awful lot of money i mean ten thousand officers just from the met on the streets of london then all the officers who were stationed all over the country uh i mean just it goes on and on and on but also I don't think we are going to see anywhere near the amount of people on the streets for 
the Queen's coronation or the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. I mean, that was an insane celebration. The Queen's funeral, I mean, there was millions of people on the street. So surely one would presume it won't be uh, exactly like that. But I do think if the weather's good, people have a bank holiday weekend. They want to come out to the streets of London and uh, they will want to see what's going on because people people like doing that sort of stuff. I think it'll be interesting to see how it does all play out because I think again with the, even the street party type things is that bit of a feeling of we organised one last year and it can feel you know organising a street party can be no small thing you've got to deal with people that you maybe don't always deal with you've got to put in an application to the council to close the road sometimes and you know people who did the did all of the hard work last year some of them will be yes inspired and ready to get on and do it all again and other people might be feeling a little bit like oh we've just done that let's take a let's take a break I don't know it feels um I'd be interested to hear how things are where where you are listeners so do get in touch on the Instagram or the Twitter and let us know what you think the excitement level is where you are is there is there stuff happening or a, or a bit less um it would be interested to know um one thing I did enjoy seeing on social media this week was the change in the cipher that's what it's called isn't it the uh changing the letters designating the monarch on the um the outfits of the beef eaters so they've now got their cr rather than er it, it looks i think it's going to take some getting used to although i'm on, I'm on the lookout for post boxes that will, when they start changing over yeah. that's always a big thing well when you were um uh just about to come back zoe and i were having a bit of a game seeing if we could spot any grs and and there's one at the bottom of my road. Well, I have been walking past it for for forever and hadn't seen it. But yeah, that'll be the new one. Uh, if you can spot a CR post box, yeah, it, I mean, interesting, is it? It takes it costs an awful lot of money, so they're not going to be do, doing all the the army um, lapels and what have you. I mean, he still had. Didn't they have this at the um, at Remembrance Day? And everyone was questioning why it still had ER on the uniforms but you imagine how much money it costs to even Better think to about all the armed services rather than just doing the royal family replace it as you need to as you go along exactly um, exactly interesting so confirmations coming through this week about some of the people who will be in the congregation for the coronation notably the uh from northern ireland well, I mean, that's quite controversial, isn't it? Because uh, the Sinn Féin vice president has been invited. And I suppose, um, you know, others are wondering why Michelle O'Neill would want to go to the coronation. But I I was reading some of her quotes yesterday. She said that she wanted to be a first minister for all. She said, I think at this juncture, it's important that I demonstrate and fulfil my commitment to be that. First Minister for all and attend the coronation to represent all of our community. I'm comfortable enough in my own skin and I think it's important that at times like this I demonstrate by words and deeds that I will be the First Minister for all. I want to represent everybody in our community. However, no doubt it's quite um, quite a, a turnaround from, uh, from from years gone past, I suppose. And then you're, you look at some of the other coverage today of the Chinese representatives that are coming the fact that uh, other people, such as the Queen's late um, bridesmaid, whose father was murdered by the IRA, is uh, it's quite interesting that she has not been invited. So, you know, let's see. So what I think, it, so just to, for listeners to clarify that she's not been invited because she's the vice president of Sinn Féin, it's because she is the um, 
due to be the the first minister of Northern Ireland, although devolved government isn't sitting there at the moment because of the, the fallout from Brexit and things being vetoed. So it's all quite complicated. And she, but she is due to be the first first minister of Northern Ireland from Sinn Féin. So she's been invited in in that capacity. And I think actually it's a, a really good thing that she has said yes and sort of shows how far things have come probably helped by the queen I mean we've talked about her visits to Northern Ireland and Ireland and the the rebuilding work and um and things that have gone on there so I don't know I I I can understand people getting uh, you know upset about it because there is so much history there but uh, you know the sort of the comments that you shared that um that Michelle O'Neill had said it I would see it as a, I would see it as a positive thing, and again, seeing it as part of new beginnings and moving forward and trying to have a positive relationship and yeah, represent represent that country. So there we go. Right, let's move on from coronation things. We'll have to talk about the Stone of Destiny next week, Russell. I think you know we'll save oh, it. Oh no, I'm looking forward to this. Oh, go However, on. I think you know I am very excited about the Stone of Destiny I, I can't believe nobody else is I seems, seems to be the only person and it, I'll give you a quick rundown of the Stone of Destiny go right? on because it's returning to England for the first time in more than a quarter of a century and if you look into the detail of this it's absolutely fascinating because it was a it was a stone where um, the monarchs of Scotland were or, were crowned and it's known as the Stone of Scone. It's also it was then removed by King Edward I of England in 1296, but brought back to Scotland by a gang of four Scottish nationalists in a daring Christmas Day raid in 1950, and only returned to the Abbey uh, in 1990 uh, months later, and then in 1996 sent back to Edinburgh, and. I think it's quite fascinating because this this stone has been sort of transported under the cover of darkness because when it was nicked back or taken back, I should say, we'll have the Scottish nationalists on me, but when it was taken back to Scotland, rightfully so, as they would say, it's the first time in like hundreds of years since the border was stopped, uh, shut down between Scotland and England and that they were trying to find out who'd stolen this, this, uh, this famous stone. Anyway, it will be brought back under the cover of darkness huge security operation bringing it to Westminster Abbey where it will be placed under the coronation chair and uh, no doubt they'll have to try and make sure it finds its way back to Edinburgh otherwise we'll we'll have another story on our hands well so much so much excitement going on and I'm sure so next week's episode will be our last before the coronation so we'll have all of the final details and hopefully uh, all of the excitement that is coming there but let's move on and talk about a few other things that have been happening um let's start with the lovely pictures Prince Louis in the wheelbarrow being pushed about by um Kate for his you know as a picture released for his birthday very cute yeah nice pictures not taken by kate because she was in front of the camera this time it was quite it was quite uh quite different we're used to seeing obviously her releasing pictures for the kids birthdays and sort of notable um anniversaries and what have you but uh, i mean stating the obvious but prince louis is growing up faster than i care to you know imagine because our lives seem to be disappearing before our eyes would be if we look at these children's photos be interesting to see what role the kids have at the coronation of course we've heard about george he's going to be one of the king's pages but 
where will um, Charlotte and Louis sit? Who will be with them? Will Kate be in a procession going into the Abbey? Will she walk in with them? All of this will be sort of divulged in due course, I suppose. And I think talking about the kids growing up fast, I guess we saw that in the picture that Kate did take that was released of um, the late Queen surrounded by children, well, grandchildren and great-grandchildren at Balmoral in the summer, which is, you know, sort of a follow-up to that lovely picture that was shared a few years ago of, of the Queen with Prince Philip with various great-grandchildren. Yes, and I'm going to give the newsletter because I'm doing a new newsletter now mm. and so I'll give it a plug. If you haven't signed up, you can sign up for my newsletter every Wednesday. All the insights, all the behind-the-scenes goss. But this, I, I sort of taught, I honed in on this picture because I thought that given all the sort of infighting and scandal and the conversations about Harry turning up, Meghan not coming, what will Andrew be doing, who's going to be wearing what, I thought that this picture was a perfect symbol of a of a family that isn't sort of plagued and um, disturbed by all this nonsense and infighting that normally goes on with this family and all the scandal that others have brought to their door. But it's a very innocent picture of a new generation. And it'll be interesting to see what ones of that generation, you know, become the major players. Because even though Charles does want the slim down monarchy, will there be options to broaden it out who will want to work for the family business is it an option for you know the Sussexes to come back into the fold what will their uh, children be doing the fact that they've given them prince and princess titles and a lot of these kids in the uh, image that was set by Kate with the Queen in the months or weeks leading up to her unfortunate death is um is is quite telling because they don't have the titles, but they are associated with the family. They are there with the monarch, and no doubt there will be more of these family portraits that come out in the future. But you would imagine that Harry and Meghan and uh, Archie and Lilibet won't be in those pictures unless there is a huge shift in relationships. Um, but they still try to hang on to this to this association with the royal family by giving them titles. I'm not too sure it works like that. I think you're better off being in the nucleus within the family rather than having princely titles and pretending that that is your into association with the monarchy. I mean, potentially the children actually with the most pressure on them in that picture are the Tyndall children, because not only did they have royal relations, they have like sporting champion relations, you know, an England World Cup rugby winner, Olympic medalist in um, equestrian. So, you know, in terms of in terms of sporting genes, they've got some good sporting genes. So if they've got any sense, they'll probably go on and do some like art or music or something entirely different. Um, But I guess the other thing that I thought was really nice about this picture was most of those great-grandchildren are old enough that they will have their own memories of the Queen. Um, and, you know, they're old enough that they will have, have those and that will be very special for them, I'm sure. And also, you can totally see how the cousins, you know, sort of the Harry, Zara, Beatrice and Eugenie, how those family relationships and family ties have become strong friendships you know their their cousins fine is they were they live in a slightly rarefied sphere and probably it's it's easier to hang out with people who know what that life is like but also if you see each other on your on your lovely summer holiday at your 
your grand's great big castle in Scotland where you're you know running around in the garden and doing picnics and goodness knows what else you ha- you probably have a lovely well, ho- hopefully have a lovely time making lovely summer family memories and it would be a time that you would look forward to each year to go you know go hang out with the cousins and go wild yeah, yeah. in a Scottish castle so you know think- it was it was despite the fact that the queen was there it was just an I I thought it was just a very heartwarming picture that, interestingly enough, had been put out to celebrate the Queen and to celebrate a new generation that is that has been left behind from the Queen's passing and will no doubt enjoy looking back at those memories. Um, well done to Kate as well for consistently getting the family together and taking those pictures because it is special to have those those memories and things. I mean, we we. We take take the Mickey mercilessly out of my dad for always being the one who wants to get people together and have a picture. But actually, it is a good and important thing to do, and it's a bit different to having yeah. having the phone pictures. So, if you are the person in your family who gets the family together to take those pictures um, and have those records for later down the line, so you can you know laugh at the old haircuts and and remember the people who are no longer with us, then please you know well done keep doing it and take some great pictures at your um, your coronation parties as well um what else have we seen this week talking about nice things if the kiss cam came on you russell would you go in for a cheeky kiss with your missus no, and do you think I she'd do, let I'm you no i'm i'm not one of these people superiors <laughs> i don't like you know i'm often getting admonished for not holding hands in public so I, I, i'm not sure oh come on sure. russell gotta have a little bit of romance <laughs> holding hands is okay surely yeah. i mean i can understand I kiss i mean kiss cam we don't it's not really a thing over here i think it's it probably makes us all quite uncomfortable and sort of the kissing on demand but harry was very much game for it megan was just like <laughs> not sure about this maybe he'd been maybe having a beer watching the basketball and a bit too much popcorn yeah. and not quite sure but uh, nice thing to do as you talked about you know your your time out watching the football going to the basketball enjoying a night out um, lovely and you know time out together date night away from the kids that is also always a good thing to do here here yeah um megan did look very sleek for her her ted talk intro as well i thought she was very uh, very groomed no sign of a messy bun anywhere so anyway no it was very very nice very nice i mean that's you know, hasn't got to deal with the stress of planning for a coronation i suppose just sort of left it and enjoying the californian sunshine totally different do we do we have any sense of when how far ahead of the coronation prince harry's going to turn up or is he just going to arrive in the morning to get get a get a I mean, quick into town a and then day or so, day or so but i understand he's, he's not hanging around for the coronation concert so that will be meaning he'll be off from the sunday morning so um pretty pretty brief trip and what have we got coming up to look forward to ahead of that there's a few bits and pieces aren't there well, just a quick shout out on the, on Anzac Day because this oh, was yes. uh, perhaps a comparison. You know, some people may say an unfair comparison, but I think it's um, it, it was quite interesting to see uh, Harry and Meghan at a basketball game, and then Prince William taking part in a dawn service for for Anzac Day. And of course, it is important to the royal family commemorating Australia and New Zealand's war dead. This service happens every year. Some questions about why the king wasn't there, but I, I, I sort of flipped that by saying that it shows that William will be standing in for the king a lot of the time, as Charles did deputise for his mother. Now William, as Prince of Wales, is elevated. Perhaps we would have, we've seen uh, William. We have seen William and Kate at Anzac Day services in the past, but 
the very fact that William was there on his own was quite poignant, I think. And um, if you if you're unaware of what it was, it's um, April 25th, basically marks the anniversary of the start of the Gallipoli landings in the First World War, where thousands of Australian and, and New Zealand army troops died alongside um, the Brits in 1915. It's something we do commemorate in the UK and, of course, in Australia and New Zealand and uh, and other parts of the world where they where they have that sort of expat community as well. But um, quite the contrast, I suppose. But uh, I didn't necessarily think it was fair to sort of put it out there and do a story on the comparison, but I suppose it's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? And I have to say that Kate did look great when she was out and about in Birmingham last week. Oh, and we saw her out at the baby bank in Windsor um, as well. So that you know, everybody gets excited when she goes to baby things, but like three is plenty, surely. I think they are sick of these stories. Oh, she's revealed that she's not going to have a fourth. I mean, good laws. We've been saying this for years, haven't we? But leave the poor woman alone. It's nice, nice to go and, and, and play with the little babies. My little baby's growing up far too quickly, but she's great. But uh, Far yeah. too quickly, isn't it? Yeah. I miss her being little at the same time. Oh, dear. Right. So, Russell, thank you for all of your time today. We've got, um, we've got the interview coming up with uh with Battersea Dogs and Cats what's what's your take on the um Royals choice to make volunteering a key part of the coronation weekend well it's important I think because we, when we saw the walkabouts of the senior members of the royal family after the Queen's death we we were we were delighted to see them because you got a, a sense of them thanking the nation the nation wanting to you know, stand beside them and I think that that's very important talking about unity, togetherness. Charles talking about community quite a lot. And in his speech after the Queen had died. And community, especially the big lunch, the Queen Consort has been patron of that. I think it's since 2013. And we will see them out about. I don't know where, but let's just wait and see. I think we will see them at quite a few events over the Sunday and then on the Monday, back holiday Monday as well. So grab your broom. In your after your street party because you might see a king or queen knocking about. Now, as I promised earlier in the show, let's turn our attention to the charity work of our new king and queen by looking at what they are like to work with as patrons. Next week, we'll be hearing from one of the king's charities, the Samaritans. But this week, first up, it's Camilla and her relationship with Battersea Dogs and Cats Home. So I'd like to welcome to Pod Save the King today, Peter Laurie, Chief Executive Officer, CEO of Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, one of one of probably one of Britain's best known animal rescue centres. I would say, Peter, lovely to have you on the show. Thanks, Sam. Great to be on. Thanks for having me. And um, I've asked Peter to come on today because we're talking about or taking a look at our new king and queen and their charity interest because they put it at the heart of um, the coronation celebrations over the weekend and I think um, when I think about Camilla and I think about the things that she's interested in she she obviously is quite outspoken on um, domestic violence we know that she likes ballet with the silver swans we know she's a big fan of literacy and reading she's done a lot of work there but we also know she very much likes horses and dogs and I think thinking about some of the pictures of her visits to Battersea she always definitely seems to to come alive I think she looks like she's always having a really good time with you yeah I think that that's very fair and I think uh 
her royal highness is a huge dog lover and of course she has two dogs that she adopted from Battersea in recent years Beth and Bluebell two adorable Jack Russells but uh yeah certainly she's always I think very comfortable around animals and very happy uh when she visits Battersea as she as she has done on, on a number of occasions since becoming uh, our patron in 2017. So how did she come to be your patron? Uh, her Majesty became patron in 2017 and she followed Queen Elizabeth II, the late Queen, who was our patron from 1956 all the way through until 2016. And, and Queen Elizabeth II stepped down as our patron on uh, her 90th birthday in 2016 and, and uh, most of the Queen consort took over in February 2017. Uh, but actually, she had a, a relationship, Batsy, that, that predated her uh, uh, her taking on uh, the patron role. As I say, she adopted a couple of dogs from us. Uh, and since becoming patron, she's visited all three of our centres, some of them more than once. And what's she like to work with? Uh, she's very authentic, great fun, uh, great sense of humour, uh, very comfortable and relaxed around animals. Uh, always enjoys visiting our Battersea centres, enjoys meeting staff and volunteers, and enjoys spending time with our four-legged friends. And I think that was really uh, exemplified, really, when, when she visited our Brands Hatch Centre in Kent early last year. Uh, and on that occasion, she met uh, the late Paul O'Grady, who was there as well filming for uh, his show, The Love of Dogs. And, and the two of them had a great time. They were laughing, they were enjoying each other's company and enjoying the company of, of the the centre's many dogs and also cats as well. And you mentioned that uh, Her Majesty is, is a keen dog lover and horse lover. She also uh, likes cats. In fact, I think she likes all animals. And um, they had a lot of fun in the cattery, meeting some kittens that day as well. Sometimes it's a really tough job <laughs> being a member of the royal family, hanging out with the kittens and the dogs. Great stuff. And um, and how does the relationship work is does she work on things behind the scenes with you or is it very much more about those sort of public visits uh well unsurprisingly she she has a busy diary and um we're very fortunate we, we keep in close contact with uh, her office throughout the year we we like to uh keep her majesty updated on on developments of battersea and and some of our successes and, and stories as well and uh she she often responds and and throughout the year often comes to us with opportunities where she can help promote our work as well, whether that's media work she might be doing, visits she's making, etc. And then from, from on occasion, subject to her diary and other commitments, uh, we've, we've been very fortunate to uh, welcome her to our centres. And um, like I say, she's, she's visited all three of our centres in Old Windsor, Brands Hatch, and in London as well. Uh, and in fact, she's been to Brands, uh, so been to Old Windsor and to our London centre on more than one occasion in recent years. So she takes a really keen interest in our work and, um, has recorded messages for our staff. Uh, she's uh, mentioned us in, for example, um, magazine interviews that she's done in recent years and months as well. So uh, she's she's quite an active supporter of Battersea, which is uh, incredibly fortunate. And how important is it to you to have a royal patron? Oh, I, I think it's hugely important. Battersea's very fortunate. We, we've been benefited from royal patronage since 1885 when Queen Victoria became our first royal patron 25 years after we were, were founded by a pioneering lady called Mary Tilby. And I think back in 1885, Queen Victoria really helped give Battersea and our work credibility uh, and helped to promote the importance of, of animal welfare and the importance of our work, helping then the, the stray and abandoned uh, dogs of London. Uh, and 
uh, we went on and we enjoyed uh, 50 years, 60 years of patronage from Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. So over really our, our history, we've really benefited from the, the support um, and the, the credibility, I think, that having a royal patron brings to any charity. And um, we, we've been very lucky in that respect. And are you expecting that she'll continue in the role as she's now queen as a, as a change of things? I mean, King Charles has got a lot of different um, hats, so I don't know whether he's, he's looking to rearrange some of his, but are you expecting to have Camilla continue in her in her role with you? Oh, we very much hope so. And uh, that's very much a decision for Her Majesty and for the King, but uh, we very much hope so. And uh, we've enjoyed all the support we've, we've received so far, and we very much hope we can continue that relationship of course we're also very fortunate to have his royal highness prince michael of kent as our president as well and and prince michael's been involved with battersea for many years he's previously uh, adopted a dog from us as well he's, he's a very keen and and loyal supporter of, of battersea too so uh our, our support from the royal family uh has been really very significant it's been a big part of our, our work and we, we very much hope that will continue you mentioned a few different things about visits that you've had in the past. Are there any other particularly memorable moments that you've had um, when Camilla's been joining you? Yeah, so certainly one comes to mind. A, a, a couple of years ago now, Her, Her Majesty visited our old Windsor Centre to open some new kennels that we constructed there. And they were, were named the Duchess of Cornwall Kennels uh, back then. And uh, it, it was a lovely event. It was just um, as we were coming out of the COVID pandemic and it was really nice to get together uh, and welcome Her Majesty back to Battersea. And one of the real highlights of the of the, of the visit was uh, the unveiling of the plaque uh, on the wall of, on by the entrance to the the new kennel facilities. And we had a uh, a satin drape over the plaque to hide it. And the, and the plan was for uh, one of Her Majesty's dogs to pull the uh, cloth off the plaque and reveal reveal it to the uh, the audience. Uh, around it and it, it went perfectly to plan and the, uh, the the trick we deployed was to attach a piece of sausage to the uh, piece of fabric and the dog on cue immediately grabbed the sausage pulled it towards it to eat and with it pulled the uh, the cloth off the plaque and that was a lovely a lovely very fitting way to unveil uh, and open uh, a wonderful new facility that bears the name of our, our patron and um, that was a very special day for all the staff and the volunteers as well as the donors who'd help pay for that that impressive facility as well. And coronation weekends, the Monday bank holiday's got to focus on volunteering. What do you think that says about the new era that we're going into? Uh, I, I'm delighted that volunteering is such an important theme for the the coronation period, and is such a at the heart really of the celebrations. And volunteers do so much to support good causes and and community initiatives right across the length and breadth of the country. And I think the coronation gives a really great opportunity to celebrate uh, and recognise the contribution of people who do give up their time free of charge to support so many important uh, organisations and activities. And we saw that, for example, during COVID, didn't we, in the, in the, in the quite brilliant rollout of the, the COVID vaccines, which was driven at least very much in part by a volunteer force who helped with the logistics. Of course, we had doctors and nurses coming out of retirement to give up their time freely to, to support that effort. That was a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful example of people coming together, rallying to support a, a vital cause. But we see that on a day-to-day -day basis up and down the length of the country. And I, I'm, I'm delighted that 
that uh, Her Majesty's have, uh, Her Majesty's have identified volunteering as a really important theme. And here at Battersea, we benefit from lots of great staff, but we've also got something like 700 volunteers as well who support us in the care of our animals, both dogs and cats. But actually, in many, many other departments of our, uh, the charity as well, we have volunteers who help look after our grounds at our sites, who help with our veterinary work. Uh, we have volunteers who even help with IT. And of course, we've got, we've got volunteers who support our fundraising efforts too. So we couldn't do what we do at Battersea without volunteers. And I know there have been many, many other charitable and non-charitable organisations across uh, the United Kingdom who say exactly the same. I should give a little shout out to my lovely neighbour, Alan, who's a volunteer over at the uh, the Windsor branch with the, who goes to hang out with the Pussycats a couple of times a week and enjoys it very much. So shout nice. out to Alan and all of the volunteers. But um, what would you say to people who aren't quite sure how to get started on volunteering? I think they're a bit interested, but they're not quite sure where to start. What would you say to them? I'd say suddenly give it a go and, and explore opportunities. And, and uh, these days, lots of charities give a range of different ways to get involved as a volunteer. Some charities run what's called some micro-volunteering programmes for people who may be quite time-limited. You may only be able to spare half an hour or an hour a week to support a course. But that can be incredibly valuable. And lots of people donating a small amount of time can soon add up into a, a very significant contribution. And then at the other end of the scale, there are charities that, that really seek volunteers to have a, a pivotal and very significant role in their service delivery and, and look for volunteers who are able to make commitments on a frequent basis for several hours or even several days per week. So I think there's opportunities to suit everybody, uh, regardless of, of time pressures. And of course, there are opportunities to suit, to, to suit different skills and experiences um, and um I really encourage people to explore. There's lots of great resources online where you can, can find out about volunteering opportunities near you. But uh, lots of charities, including Battersea, advertise volunteering uh, roles on their websites. And um, I'd certainly encourage people to, to give it a go. Maybe be inspired by the coronation celebrations. Of course, volunteering is a great way to give back to society. It's a great way to make a real difference. It's also a great way to enhance your skills and improve your employment prospects. If that's something you're seeking, but it's also a great way to meet like-minded people as well and and, and then build your, your social and, and friendship networks too. Thank you, Peter. And just finally, what would be your coronation message to um, the king and queen? So I, I speak for everybody in Battersea when I say how excited we all are at the forthcoming coronation celebrations. It's uh, going to be a wonderful weekend. Uh, everybody in Battersea will be, be joining in the celebrations at our three centres and in the events around uh, the country. Uh, and we wish their majesties every success in their new roles. And uh, they they will be serving as our, our king and queen with the full support and, and enthusiasm and backing of all the staff and volunteers at Battersea. We're, we're delighted for them and, and wish them every happiness in, in the years ahead. Thank you very much, Peter. And um, we look forward to seeing lots more pictures of Camilla with dogs and cats and sausages and plaques in the, in the years to come. So thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, great to hear from you. Thank you, Anne. So it was lovely to hear from Peter. Great to catch up with Russell as ever. And we will be back next week with all of the Coronation Countdown. Keep in touch with us in the meantime on Podsave on Instagram and Twitter. Sign up for Russell's newsletter. And until next time. Podsave the King!